So now we're on. We're on. What's up? What is going on today? Another day. Not another dollar, just another talk about <laughs> some sports going on. Hey, that's what we're here for. Let's have the conversation. Some things have gone on. Baseball is now huge because it's meaningful. October baseball, Monday night football. The Dallas Cowboys took on the San Diego Chargers and Justin Herbert and won. Dak looked solid, I guess, going by the numbers. I'm not going to act like I sat there and watched the whole game. But Dak looked solid. They got the win. They went on the road, which is hard to do in the NFL. They won. Dak, Dak did look pretty good. He made some good throws yesterday. Um, I don't know if it was the bright lights. Uh, <laughs> he just got lucky. I don't know. But he had he had some throws that were right on the money. And was he rolling out more? Or was he in the pocket? Did he, he it, it depends. He did both. Um, the Chargers were basically rushing four for the most part, so the the four rushers were not keeping lane integrity. So he found a way to escape to get outside, and he he guys in stride, man. Uh, while he was rolling out, um, they did get to him maybe four or five times. Yeah, five they times. They did blitz a few times. Um, but for the most part, they were sending four, and the the lineman were doing doing a good job pushing them past him so he can step up and then move out. But you would think, you know, maybe that would affect his accuracy, but it didn't. For the most part, he he was in guys in stride, man. And then when he was in the pocket, he um, there was one play I think on the final drive. It was like third and twelve. And he had C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb stepped up. He had a bunch of catches last night. But he threw a strike to C.D. Lamb for the first down. And um, I was like, wow, Dak, Dak's really looking like a, a good quarterback today. Yeah, quarterback. There's, now, no, there's no shade to be thrown his way yesterday. You know, I don't think Dak is a terrible quarterback. I don't think he's as good as some people think he is. I think some people make him seem like he's one of these elite quarterbacks. I don't believe he's elite. I don't believe he's ever been elite. I think he's been in the middle. And he's better than Trent Dilfer, better than Brad Johnson. We're talking about <laughs> quarterbacks who won Super Bowls. He's better than those guys. But I guess because he plays with Dallas, there's a little bit more on him to be better than what he is because he's in Dallas. And by the way, he's not a running quarterback either. He can run, but that's not his first inclination when things fall apart. He still looks to try to get it to the receiver. He can run when he has to. He's done it in the past. He's gotten injured because of it. But he does pass the ball when he can pass the ball. And, 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 you know, sometimes I think about him not being able to read defenses. Now, you look at him and you look at someone like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson looks like he struggles sometimes and sometimes he doesn't. Dak doesn't look like he really struggles to read defenses. He just makes the bad throw. <laughs> I think that's more of the issue with him. Inconsistency, right? Yeah, that, that is that's his issue. Inconsistency, and he goes from being good to being bad. Three three interceptions against the 49ers, that's bad. Mm -hmm. Um he and they needed him to play better. He I, that's Dak. He's gonna look good some weeks and the other weeks he's gonna look bad. And then you hear Jerry Jones say something like Dak's the guy that's gonna get us to where we need to go. And we know how Jerry thinks. He's talking about a Super Bowl, something they haven't done in a long time. And they had <clears> that with Tony Romo, who's a better quarterback than Dak. 
And now they're expecting to get it done with Dak, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think anyone believes that outside of Dallas. So I don't know as far as the future goes and if they're going to start finally looking at quarterbacks in the draft earlier. You know, that's usually a sign that they're kind of losing faith. You can say what you want, and Jerry Jones has said things in the past. But then when you start getting quarterbacks in the second round, if that happens, then you're kind of knocking on the door or trying to put a light under Dak's butt. You know, I don't think he needs it. I don't think he knows what he's doing. He's just that excellent at doing what he's doing. He's good, intermittently. <laughs> but what's up with Micah Parsons? He's whining about analysts not not throwing shade to the 49ers and Eagles. Yeah, I hear about that. They lost. Um, dude, he needs watch your own backyard, man. Come on, Micah. It's like every week is something else. Something else and these guys got to produce. And with this pass rush Dallas is supposed to have – they had what one sack yesterday? I think it was the it was the I Chargers mean, had the five. Sure they had more than one sack. I think they, they had one sack. They like, put a lot of pressure on on Herbert when it counted too on that last drive. And Herbert is, you know what? It's early in his career, but you can he was him. off. He missed some some wide open receivers. He had a guy running down the sideline, had his man beat by three yards. And he overthrew him by three yards. It wasn't even close. Man. The guy couldn't have even dove for the ball. <laughs> Had he dove, he would have looked foolish because he would have been so far so away far from out of the way. You know, um, yeah, he he missed a bunch of throws yesterday. You know, I watched Justin Herbert when he was in college, and immediately I thought this guy had a future in the NFL. You know, not first pick overall, but I knew he would be a first-rounder someday. And it, he's played well in the NFL up until now. And I think he will continue to do so. He's still growing just like a lot of these other quarterbacks who have been in it just as long as he has. He just secured the bag. You know, he and Joe Burrow, and I think, you know, you have a not a litany of quarterbacks, but a, quite a, a handful of quarterbacks that are probably going to carry the NFL into the next generation, completely letting people forget about, well, you know, Peyton Manning's forgotten about and Drew Brees and now Tom Brady. Or, you know, you go down David Rivers. Those guys are gone. This is the new age of those guys. You know, and I think that, you know, Justin Herbert is just as good as Joe Burrow, different circumstances, but talent-wise, these guys are on the same par. Josh Allen is still in this mix. I think I just heard someone tell me that Josh Allen has been exposed. Exposed <laughs> what? You know, he's a lot like Brett Favre. He's, he's a gunslinger. He has all of this, I guess they call it arm talent, since everybody wants to jump on the Mike Mayock bandwagon. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of arm talent, but he just, he's, he's wild with what he does. You know, he's erratic on occasion, but when he's on, he's on. He's been on a lot more than he's been off. I see these memes after they lost to the Jets. All these turnovers he's had. He's leading the league in turnovers and all this other stuff. But the guy is still going to be the one to lead them to probably the AFC Championship game again. Yeah, Josh Allen, he, he makes plays. Um, but they did struggle on Sunday. So that's probably where all the shade is coming from. Their offense was, did not look good. So... I'm still thinking they got the bad, the raw deal because of what they did and went out to the UK. The Jags were there two weeks. They were there one week, only 50 hours to get their act together, get acclimated to the scenery, get acclimated to the time. And they had to play the Jaguars. They came out sluggish. They picked it up a bit. But the Jags being as comfortable as they was and as they should have been being there for two weeks, they were able to kind of pull it off. And then now they come back from the UK, just that quick turnaround, and have to play again. You're probably going to look sluggish right now. Now the next game should no, be. But the Ravens were, were in in the UK last week. Yeah, the Ravens were in the UK last week. But I'm saying the two weeks in a row that 
um, the Jags were there. They looked bad against the Jags and lost to the Jags because I think the Jags were obviously acclimated, whereas they weren't. And so they did look bad in the beginning. I'm saying the, the Bills, they should be fine back to normal by now is what I'm saying. Oh, back to normal. Well, can they play Baltimore in they play Baltimore in um well in, in UK, right? Hold on. I, I'm confused. Bro, as you see, we don't have production meetings before the We're the shoot the kid. This wasn't just, even on the list, man. Why you bring it up? <laughs> but either way, See, that's why you don't even look at the list. Just go with the flow. You know what I'm saying? Just go with the flow. The same. That's the no. You know, but their 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 offense did look sluggish. I mean, they didn't put up a lot of points. No. Nah. So I'm sure that's where all the shades coming from. Well, you know what? <clears throat> I still think Josh Allen, and I think a lot of people believe that he is an elite quarterback. I don't think there's much to be said about that. He can run the ball well. He reads defenses. He has that live arm. He does take chances he probably shouldn't take. That's why you throw the interceptions the same way Brett Favre did it, and they complained about him eventually and until he won a championship, and then now he's great. And I think that Josh Allen's on the same trajectory. I don't know about a Super Bowl when you talk about Buffalo with their history, but, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys. But let's get to one of the points that we were going to talk about, Julio Jones. A Hall of Fame receiver in the future, not one right now, signs with the Eagles after the Eagles lose to the Jets yesterday for the first time in the Jets' history, beating the Eagles. So that's – it's not a big pickup. It's just a veteran pickup. Yeah, I'm sure um, they're looking for a little spark, right? They're hoping to squeeze out whatever he has left. left. Good luck to him. Good luck to the Eagles. Um, he's had a great career, but you can you can wonder why he wasn't signed until now, right? Yep, and that's what it is. You know, he's had the injury. I think he had that lingering <clears throat> hamstring injury even when he was with the Titans for quite some time. Last season, he was with Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, still had less than 400 yards receiving. He wasn't a primary target, but I guess it matters in the locker room. But now with the Eagles, you don't need anything in the locker room. You just need some presence, period, to add to what you already have. You know what I mean? That defense is back. Jalen Hurts is obviously turning out to be the leader of that team on the offensive side. And, you know, you have pieces in place already. So, But he's there to bring that veteran presence. I guess guaranteed hands. You know, I still think of Atlanta when I think of Julio Jones. I may even still think of Alabama when I think of Julio Jones. <laughs> you know, you know I mean, he if he's your, your number four receiver – you know, you got a guy with experience, uh, big-time um, play capability in his past. Uh, so, you know, he he may make a tough catch on third and seven for a first down or something, you know? Yeah. You know, it's just a matter of he wants to go out there and make the tough catch because when you're a younger guy, you're spry, you can dive around and impress people. When you're at that age and you've played that long and you've had those – Well, I'm years, saying he, he's not going to be getting a lot of attention, so – you know, tough it might be a tough catch for him, maybe not for someone else, but <laughs> tough as far as it's a tough third down to convert. convert. That's true. I mean, a smart receiver, obviously, he can find the soft spots in the zones. <clears throat> he can still get away even with not having his full four speed. He came into the league with on regular patterns or regular routes. You know, do like Steve Roger, who's a four six guy, but still loses these four two quarterbacks when he was running his routes. You just wonder how he was just so pristine with his routes. He kind of kind of left them behind and was able to be that possession guy. 
this is what Julio is right now. But I think it was a nice move, not groundbreaking. The name alone is what made people click anyways. What is Julio up to? And like you said, you know, no one signed him up until this point because no one cared. Now they do. So now he's on the Eagles. And, and what, what type of shape is he in? Is it going to take him three, four weeks to get into playing shape? You know, that's that. There's, all, there's something to be said about that. But typically players, especially veterans like that, if they still want to play, they got some working out going. I know it's not the same as playing in practice or practicing period and getting into game shape, but they're keeping themselves in shape, waiting for that phone call. He got the phone call. He had to take the physical. I'm sure they gave him a little bit of a workout for veterans. And they gave him the nod, and now he's there with Jalen Hurts. And he, you know, and yeah, but being in shape is one thing. Being in game shape is game shape. You know what? For a guy who may be the fourth receiver, how much of the game are you going to play in for right now? <laughs> they can wean you into yeah, this. You still want him in game shape. Bro, yeah, bro you're going to get tired after running two damn plays, man. You should never come back. <laughs> you should never come back. <laughs> and, you know, I've seen the mindsets of some of these players in the past when they – come back from being out of football and someone calls them up because they're waiting on the phone, waiting at the phone. You know, I think I talked about it on this show about Bob Whitfield, who used to be the first round draft pick out of Stanford with the Atlanta Falcons. He played for a long time and he was just sitting around when the Jaguars called him up. And when he came into the locker room, pretty much completely out of shape, I looked at this guy in the locker room like, yo, bruh, you know, but he was one of the coolest dudes ever. And he was honest, which most people aren't when they're talking about, yo, why are you coming back? Are you trying to help them with a Super Bowl? No, I want money. My son needed a new big wheel. He would say things like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yo, man. He's like, yo, I'm not worried about no playoffs. We get paid less than the playoffs than we do in our regular checks, which is true. Not, you know, but he was candid as hell. And it was just funny. You know, so I'm sure he's not the only one who shared that kind of a mindset coming back to a game. But Julio Jones has always been the consummate professional and he's back now playing with a team, you know, that, that has every opportunity to go back to the, at least the NFC championship game and ultimately a Super Bowl if they can get past, which I believe would be the 49ers to get there. Yeah. I'm a 49ers guy this year. Cause I picked him. So yeah, same I'm, here. I'm, I'm with you there. But uh, I just want to talk about uh, Justin Fields and the bears right quick. Yeah. Uh, I just finished watching Chase Daniel break down a Justin Fields' play Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I talked about it yesterday. Olin Krutz, I, I repeated what Olin yeah. Krutz said. Uh, empty backfield on the first play. Um, but Chase Daniel breaks it down. He, he tells you, he shows you what routes are run or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Justin's looking, but there's nowhere to throw it. And then he gets hit from, from the blind side. That's That's first down. Later in the game, it's like a third and four or something, and they got the Vikings have six guys on the line. And for some reason, the guard and the tackle didn't take the defensive end and the linebacker. One guy took the linebacker. The other guy took the safety, and they left the defensive end for the halfback to block. And of course, he gets shoved right into Justin. And he, he tries to throw, but he get he's got people all over him, gets bumped, and the ball doesn't go anywhere to where he's trying to throw it. And Chase Daniels, he's breaking it down. That's not supposed to happen. It's supposed to be a big on big. A guard blocks the defensive end. <laughs> Makes the tackle sense. blocks the linebacker. The halfback blocks the small, the safety. Um, And then he showed another play. The other side did the same thing. 
and Justin Fields got hit again. And he's saying that is not Justin Fields' fault. And then shows another play. They're, they got six men on the line again. And safety comes. The halfback blocks him, but I won't even say blocks him. He bumps him, but then goes off into the flat. Well, that guy's coming. Justin sees him. He doesn't have time to read the defense, scan the field, but he knows the safety outlet's there. So he throws it to the guy who should have been blocking. But Chase shows another half second. Mooney's running down the field by himself. But because Justin sees this guy coming, oh, I got to get rid of it. So it gets rid of it. Doesn't wait for Mooney to break open. Then Tyson Bajant's in the game. Yeah. And he turned the ball over. It was scoop uh, scoop uh, six. And they did the same thing. The left side did the same thing. They blocked. The, the tackle blocked the safety. And they left the defensive end for the halfback. Bajan's trying to get loose. They knocked the ball away. Touchdown going the other way. There was another play. They ran a sweep for Justin. Nobody blocked the defensive end. So Justin's running, and where is, where is he going? Right into the defensive end who's unblocked. Man. And see, this is what I'm saying. The Bears coaching staff, they had too much time to prepare a bogus game plan. Because if you – like I said yesterday, they didn't have time to mess up a game plan against Washington. They only had three days to get ready. All right, let's call this play. Let's call that play. Hey, it's working. Let's keep going with it. But they had 10 days, and those sorry-ass co- coaches came up with a sorry-ass game plan, and it showed on Sunday. So you can throw shade at Justin Fields all you want. Um, he's probably ruined. He, he He's probably done in Chicago. Let him go somewhere else. If he's given protection, watch. He's gonna he's gonna perform. I'm not gonna say he's a top. He'll be a top five quarterback, but he'll he'll be much better than he's been in Chicago. Man, in Chicago, better hope he doesn't be stay in the division. Imagine him going to Minnesota because it doesn't <laughs> like Cousins is gonna stay there because they didn't give him the extension he was looking for. He's playing well this year, but they're not getting the results they want in the win loss column. There's still a lot of football to go, but imagine him staying in the division. Detroit playing the way they are right now. We're still waiting to get the verdict on them as the season goes on. Green Bay has Jordan Love. We see how that's going so far. He's still learning, so there's still something there. But Man, it's just when when you see Chase Daniel break it down, you know, someone who was in the NFL for a long time has yeah, watched game film, and he's explaining to you, and you see the glaring errors that are, are being done, I mean – it's ridiculous, man. It's totally ridiculous. They've done Justin Fields a, a disservice. You would think the coaching staff knows exactly what Chase Daniels is talking about. And you would think that they could it be just player error. These players not remembering their plays or not knowing what their assignments are at the wrong time. These things that he's breaking down are things that these coaches come on. They watch a lot of film. This is just their life. You know, even when they have bye weeks, they're still watching film. Yeah, but it, if they see him, they got to pound it into their players' heads. Yeah, they and do they're going to line up over, over, they're over, line over. up sticks across. Make sure you get the right guy. You don't block the safety. You block the end, and you get the the linebacker. And if he doesn't come, well, then now you get the safety. You know, it's it's not brain surgery. 
and, and that's true. But you know what? I can go back to even just high school. I remember seeing a lot of high school players over the past several decades, literally. And there are a lot of superstar players, and we wonder why they don't turn out to be excellent college football players. Or even if they do, they go to the NFL and they're no longer excellent professional running backs. They're probably solid. And I remember talking to Leon Washington when he was here in Jacksonville. He was a star running back, absolute phenom. He goes to Florida State. And I'm thinking just talent alone, he should be at Florida State eventually just show out. And he ultimately got his chance, and he did. But he told me the biggest problem he had was the blocking assignments. That's why a lot of these star running backs from high school didn't do well in college, at least in their first year. If they were tough, they got better because they were willing to learn and they took their lumps. But he was talking about the blocking assignments because he was saying, like, in high school, these star players, everyone's blocking for them. They don't have to block. They're getting <laughs> two or 3,000 yards in the season because they're getting the ball all the time. No one's asking him them to block at all. The quarterback is handing it off. The offensive line is blocking. Wide receivers are blocking for them. Other running backs are blocking for them. They never have to really get down and dirty learning blocking assignments. So when they get to college, they still have that running ability, but now they're asked to do even more because you have a valuable quarterback who's just as highly recruited as you are that you have to protect. And he was talking about when there were blitzes. And you took the guy that you saw that was after your quarterback, the closest guy, and then you got yelled at because it wasn't your guy. Somebody else is supposed to pick up that assignment. Your instinct alone would make you go after the guy you think is closest to your quarterback. And but it's not. Right. If, if your guy was the guy that was if your guy was in safety and the defensive ends come and you see his free reign and you just forget your responsibility and try to take care of that dude, you get yelled at. And I was like, it didn't make sense, but it makes a lot of sense. And then in the NFL, it's even more so because now that quarterback is the biggest investment on the team most times. And you don't need that rookie running back who now, as we know, doesn't get paid as much blocking for that guy, missing assignments, and then that franchise guy gets hurt and he's out for a little while, you know what I mean, or a long time, or gets injured. You know, so I was like, yeah, so it may be. Leon should have gone to Nebraska. They wouldn't have asked him to block too much. <laughs> why Why not? Running backs? Back then, yeah, the running, they oh, hardly yeah, threw well, the yeah. ball. Yeah, that's true. You know, I can't really think about what. would have been very was. happy. You'd have been uh -huh. very happy. Yeah, even what Thunder Collins when he was there didn't block. He just ran the ball. You know, so you got a lot of. I, I never really remembered on a consistent basis, at least, running backs, at least the eye back at Nebraska blocking. You know, the fullbacks got in there. You know, they were dirty. Mm -hmm. The Joe McEvick, you just think about the way he blocked. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of the plays were off option looks anyway. The quarterback would run down the line and then back up. They would sell the option. And all the all the players or all the D, D backs would come up to support the run, and there's a guy running behind them wide open. They, I mean, Doctor Tom ran that often. It, it was rare that it was just a straight drop back, uh, five step drop pass yeah. or, or out of the shotgun. Yeah, I, you know, there there were some quarterbacks that I thought were pretty solid that I thought kind of could have gone to the NFL and might have been serviceable coming from Nebraska back then when the I-back just ruled everything. You know, when Bill Callahan came and they started throwing a forward pass and all those thousands of people showed up to spring practice that year, they were like, wow, the ball could actually go forward in the air. You know what I mean? Because they were so used to the running backs doing it. But, yeah, Eric Couch was a pretty solid quarterback. I think he was a better athlete than quarterback. Mm -hmm. But was it Brooke Berenger, the one who passed away? I thought he was going to be an NFL quarterback who could have been competitive and been an at the very least, a solid backup that made it took advantage of his opportunities. 
You know, so I've seen quarterbacks there. I thought that could throw the ball fairly well. Tommy Frazier wasn't one of those guys because he was such an excellent athlete and, you know, that he had the blood clot issue. But, you know, he, you know, he served his purpose there. He got them what they needed. They recruited him for and brought them back to prominence. But, yeah, Nebraska has some solid quarterbacks. But sticking with a little bit with this NFL, we had Tennessee and Baltimore the other day. Yeah, we're going to talk about it a little bit now only because we didn't get a chance to talk about all of it yesterday. But Derrick Henry, you know, going into this game, he was averaging fewer than four yards a carry, about three yards a carry, maybe even less than that. And he has a, a, a big game because he had a huge run. He averages 8.1 yards a carry. Now for the season, it's 4.3 yards. But I still believe Derrick Henry is in the latter part of his career. I think it's coming to an end in terms of him being the elite name or uh, face of the NFL running back that he's been the past several years. It could be he's hitting the stride also. You know, he, I'm sure he didn't get a lot of carries in the preseason. Um, most number ones don't play a lot in the preseason. So it takes him a while to really hit their stride. Maybe he's just hitting the stride. Because running backs, unlike other positions, it's not even a matter of rust in my opinion. Because, you know, I'm not going to com compare my semi-pro days to professional football players. But I do know the rhythms that come with a running back. And I know how a running back can really take that first hit and then get hyped up and things kind of work out as long as offensive line is doing what they're supposed to do. Other positions like tight end, wide receiver, that takes timing, quarterback in particular, that takes timing and knowing everything on the field, even offensive linemen who have to get used to the speed of the game. Running backs is the most natural position on the football field. You're running. You know what I mean? Outside of the blocking assignments, you're running. You're trying not to get hit. You're trying to get away from people. These are the things you probably did in your own hood. <laughs> running from cops, running from people, running from all of this. And so as far as the running back hitting their stride, yeah, I think in the course of a game, you have to keep feeding him the ball in order to see if he finally breaks one out. That's how you do it. I don't think it's a game-to-game -game deal to where you're looking pretty good in this game, so you should look better in the next game and then look like yourself in the third game. I think it's, each game is a one-off to where you consistently get the ball and you either get your rhythm or you don't. Or you can show that you're showing the wear and tear, which I think Derrick Henry started to do. He's been injured a little bit more lately. He's been missing some games in the past. He hasn't missed any games this year that I know of, but he just doesn't look the same running the ball. But he still can be explosive when he needs to. And there's a time when he can still do that, running that straightaway. But the physicality that he had, is it still there? I don't know, but he was he in game shape earlier? Like I mentioned, he didn't. He didn't get a lot of carries in the preseason. Yeah, no, um, that's so, true, too. So yeah. was he at his best week one, week two, week three? So the game right shape now, doesn't matter for running backs. And even though they're not using running backs like they did in the past, giving them those 30 carries a mm -hmm. game or 25 carries a game, you know, game shape still does matter. And with these preseason games being what they are, and pretty much the ones don't even get in. Like the first three game. weeks are almost like preseason games. And it's, it probably is. You're still getting acclimated just being on the field. You had mm -hmm. your two-a-days. Those aren't even what they used to be. So you go out there and you try to get used to being out there with your team and the speed of the game and all that. I still think it's a natural thing. But that cardio part of it, that's not natural. You got to work for those things. And I think right. just like boxing, you got to earn your second win. But in order to earn your second win, you got to work hard. And if you're not getting the ball, that's not hard work going in to get to that, <laughs> get to that point. But Derrick Henry, I just noticed that he hasn't been playing the same over the past, well, two seasons now. 
because of injury and even with the opportunity to play, hasn't been doing what Derrick Henry's known to do. And I think that's the reason, another reason why the wear running back position has been depreciated. Yeah, wear and tear. Yeah, the wear and, and the wear and tear on him especially. Now, the one thing about Derrick Henry is he's looked at as a brute. He can be a brute, but he's pretty elusive when he needs to be. You know, he gives you that that stiff arm. He can throw you across the field, but there's been times when he just stops and just cuts and just don't let you hit him. You know, what I mean, he doesn't just big boy you all the time. And, you know, so, yeah, I think that he gets a bad rap that he's just this big brute that's just going to bowl people over. Christian Okoye was a big brute. He wasn't cutting anybody. <laughs> he's either going to go through the wall or get hit by Steve Atwater. <laughs> that's it. Bettis. Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis. You know what? Some people say Jerome Bettis shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Some people say that Jerome Bettis was overrated. Man, I, who they – in the latter part of his career, he started falling off. But with the Rams first, and then he was the quintessential running back for the Steelers. He was excellent when he was with the Steelers. Yeah. And then to see the agility he had with the size that he had from his Notre Dame days. I remember that game against Florida in the Sugar Bowl. He was, he was pretty nimble for a big nimble guy. Nimble Come on. And then he hits a 300 in bowling. <laughs> this guy can bowl his ass off. Yeah, but Derrick Henry just isn't looking the same. And, I, you know, you can't expect it on a year-to-year basis. And now they add an extra game. For him not to look the same, but Baltimore did win the game, and Tennessee just isn't viable in this AFC South. It's just the Jaguars, and I think the Houston Texans right now because the Colts. Yeah, now, I, I, I think uh, it, I don't want to say smoke and mirrors for the Texans, but I think by week ten it'll be all Jags. Oh, it should be all Jags because they were favored to begin with and they have the pieces and parts. And they're still winning when Trevor Lawrence isn't doing what we thought he would do going into the season. People are talking about this being a, an elite offense, man, we might end up having a record-breaking offense, according to Doug Peterson in the local press. And then you get out here and, and Trevor's throwing. Yeah, I was surprised they scored, they scored 37 this past Sunday. Exactly. And he threw for less than 20 yards. But. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Maybe the Jaguars game. are hitting their stride, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to see him get those those games like Josh Allen's had the game where you saw a lot of yards. We see Tua do it routinely because this is how he's getting down this year. And Justin Herbert, even in a loss, he's still putting up 200-plus yards. We see Dak yesterday putting up over 200 yards. And Trevor Lawrence, the one who's supposed to be the savior and the face of a franchise and now one of the faces of the NFL as a young quarterback – He's not putting up those gaudy numbers you would expect for a quarterback like him and an offense like this with the weapons he has. I love what he's been doing with Calvin Ridley since he's come back. Calvin Ridley's come back from his suspension, now with the Jaguars, but he needs to spread the love a little bit. Christian Kirk got himself a touchdown this past year, this past weekend. But I think Travis Etienne catching out of the backfield and running between the tackles and outside the tackles is the biggest cog in that team right now, not Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, they have to use him much like the 49ers use McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Yep. And I think he has every bit of ability to do exactly that. They got a whiff of it. They saw what he did last week, not this past weekend, but the week before in London. Mm-hmm. Boy, <laughs> play some yeah, damn he, ball. He that can be a old. game breaker. Etienne's a bad, bad dude. I think he is a game breaker. And more importantly, remember, he's still coming back from injury. He tore his Achilles in his rookie year. So he didn't come back into it. I think it was his Achilles. And he came back. This is last year was his first year playing NFL football. He and 
Trevor Lawrence were roommates when they were in college, obviously. Then, you know, they both end up here in Jacksonville, first-round picks, number one overall. Then ATM went in the first round as well. And now you see them working well together. But I'm expecting Trev Trevor Lawrence to take that next step of being elite, not just being the right quarterback for this team. He needs to put up these two 300-yard games and have those four touchdowns like Tua or like Mahomes. I mean – that's what most people expect out of Lawrence this year. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. And there's still a lot of season left. And I look at him throwing. I look at some of the bad throws he throws. I'm like, man, this shouldn't still be that bad this far into your career. You know, especially after you've taken that step last season. But that's just not what it is right now. But anyway, how about the Patriots and the Raiders? The Patriots are just done. Now we kind of got the chicken and the egg question. Uh, answer at least. Bill yeah, Belichick, we- well, he's just a coach. Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. Yeah, we talked about this before. Um, Bella Cheat's team sucked before Brady, and now they <laughs> suck after Brady. Um, <laughs> and then he had to cheat with Brady. Uh, and I, I, I've been saying for like three weeks, um, is the seat getting hot? It's getting hotter. It has to be. Now. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he has a lot of – a lot of uh, cachet built up for everything he's done there, but without Brady, though. But now we're seeing was it really him? We now and know how, how much more of this is uh, Robert Kraft going to take. Yeah, that's true. And the Patriots fans, let's not forget these are still Boston area fans. These are still Massachusetts fans. These are still the Celtics fans, the Red Sox fans, the Boston Brewers fans. That's a hell of a fan base. They don't put up a crap. They like New York fans. They like Philly fans. They like Chicago Bear fans and even you know, other teams out there, like Dallas fans to a degree. You know, they don't put up with nonsense if it continues to happen. All the goodwill goes out the window if you don't get the result fast. And with Bill Belichick, man, I'm always going to respect him because he's one of Parcells' most trusted lieutenants as a defensive coordinator, and he's part of that Parcells coaching tree. I still have Parcells as my greatest coach ever. That's just me. Obviously, people have other coaches. But Bill Belichick hasn't gotten anything done. The story goes, he's won without Parcells. Parcells hasn't won without him, which is true. But Parcells won with freaking Phil Sims and Jeff Hostetler, whereas Bill has a Bill Belichick won with Tom Brady and not without Tom Brady. Now he has Matt Jones. Nothing's happened. Now he may have Bailey Zapp, Zapp, hey, Nothing may happen. I don't know what the heck is going on with this team now. My dog's here distracting me. The champ. champ. The champ is here. The champ is here. He played the bongo. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. His time is running short. It has to be. I mean, what, they're they're on a three, four-game losing streak now? Yeah, they're they're just losing. Every time I look up, they're losing. I'm happy about it. But I'm not happy about Belichick losing because I still got that love for Parcells and it's it's the Belichick, even though he's the enemy. Because remember, for a few seconds, he was a Jets coach. For a few seconds, I remember the Jack. Yeah, he was with the Jack, the Jets for twenty four hours. Wow! Because Parcells was playing games with New England, he knew that New England was going to try to get him. So Parcells resigned from the Jets, and then he just automatically assumed that Bill Belichick was going to take the job. And people just assumed in New York, as they always do, because they think they know everything, that he was, and he took the job. But then the next, because I remember the newspaper said, "You're it." But then he was like, he finally had to come out. And this is when all this is when all the news started coming about coming out about he and Parcells not really getting along all of this time. 
and it was a business relationship and they were successful together. So why mess it up? And then he was like, hey, you know, I don't want people to think that someone has control of me. I want to be able to check my own options. Well, he ends up in New England and the rest is history. But anyways, yeah, he was a Jets coach for 24 hours and we didn't win anything with him because no one played. <laughs> anyway, that's how that You ended. wouldn't have neither. You would have sucked. You know what? The Jets, look, <laughs> the Jets figure out a way, man. I Look, I'm always going to stick with my team regardless. I was there when it was 1-15. We got Keyshawn Johnson in the draft. I was at that draft. Bro, I'm always going to be with, down with these Jets. Nothing's going to change that. But, damn, I want to have something before I kick the damn bucket. They hadn't done a damn thing since I've been alive. 69, the last time. But anyway. Man, you get, need to get behind your boy, Zach Wilson, man. He, he's keeping them above water. Are you saying Zach Wilson keeping him above water? The team just—he's happy to be on a team that's. Well, he's not giving water. games away. You, you play the be, the beep every time. You know he's not doing. Having games, three interceptions, a strip sack for. He's hanging on to the ball. Yeah, he's hanging on to the ball. He's not making the mistakes because they're not giving him opportunities to do it. They're letting Brees Hall run into the brick wall because they got twenty in the box. So that's what's going on. But hey, you know I, I can, I'm always going to be down with my Jets and. Eventually, I will come around with Zach Wilson. He just got to win something. I mean, just win something other than the bad play of the week award. But in the Jets defense, you know, Rob Sala is getting problems because people, he said he's making elite quarterbacks look ridiculous, the defenses. And it was like, he's walking it back now. Well, he has. The defense is that good, and they have done that to quarterbacks. It's just that the rest of the team has to follow suit, and that's the offensive side of the ball, and we know what the issue is. But that's another story for another day because it will be another story on another day. Going back a little bit to this Patriots deal, is Matt Jones done? I think the experience is over. I think the experiment is over. I was on his bandwagon. I wanted the Jets to get him instead of Zach Wilson. And I'll still take him now. <laughs> but whatever. He didn't turn out to be what I thought. Yeah. Belichick hooked his wagon to, to Mac Jones. It <laughs> looks like they're going down together. Yeah, and he, he won't be there long. I, I think that if Bel if Belichick's around next season, I don't believe Matt Jones is around. And I don't know how they get rid of him. Whether I doubt they're going to waive him. They'll try to get something for him. Some team values him, and it may be the Jets. But I don't think right now with, with Aaron Rodgers possibly coming back. But, yeah, man, Matt Jones, you know, it was one of those heartstring deals with me. Watched him play in high school here in Jacksonville, Bowles High School. You know, you always want to see the young guys you saw come up through the ranks do well, play well at Alabama, was a Heisman Trophy candidate. And now just nothing. He played well in his first year, just that the past couple of years, the past three, two years. Just in, in his defense, though, like who does he have to throw to? You know, who does he have with him? I, I don't even think he knows who his, his offensive coordinator is on a year-to-year basis, too. So we just don't even know. He's going through it, so I'm hoping Bill Belichick looks at it, and I hope it's what we perceive Bill Belichick to be in terms of being just – so business-minded that behind the scenes, he understands this. He understands that it's not the kid himself. He has some type of culpability, but it's 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 the whole circumstance of the team. The offensive coordinators changing in and out and, you know, no one really to throw to and have something consistently going, all of that. Because, you know, Zappi has played better when he's been in there, but wait until they get video on him. How well will he continue to play? And so, well. Not very well, let's talk about the, the Commanders and the Falcons, and not because of the game, 
I'm thinking about the Commanders ended up winning the game. The Falcons aren't world beaters, but the Commanders did win a road game. I'm always looking at a Commanders win now or even a Commanders nice showing as a audition for, uh, an audition for Eric Bieniemy. I'm still keeping him on the mind because he was like, yo, we'll talk about this at the end of the season. You know, because people are still asking about, is he going to get a head coaching job? Does he still want a head coaching job? They understood the circumstances in which he had left Kansas City. He wasn't renewed, so it was like, we don't even need you. We'll just continue to do what we're doing. He's in Washington. Have you seen any change in office, or do things look different, or Sam Howell playing better now in his second year than he would have played otherwise without Eric being in me, or you just can't call it? I really can't talk about it. I had the only game I watched the Redskins play was against the Bears, and they looked pretty bad that game. <laughs> so, but I don't think that was the real Redskins team anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was a short week. They were probably underestimating the sorry Bears coming to town, and the Bears just jumped on them. Now, as far as Sam Howell, if you watched him at all, I know you probably didn't single him out. But was there anything special you saw about him? I saw him in college. I knew he had the strong arm. I knew he could run for a big guy. But And I knew he threw his first touchdown last year. The first pass was a touchdown last year. You can't do better than that. But I don't know. I mean, I mean he he looked decent. He he looked athletic. He can, you know, escape a pass rush and get some yardage. But he wasn't electric or explosive. And as a passer, he I wasn't impressed. But like I said, they had a bad game against the Bears. Yeah, but uh, now Eric Bieniemy, the Eric Bieniemy factor. Do you see any influence on this Washington team, at least even in that game, that makes you think their offense is probably going to go somewhere? But you just said the team looked bad in that game, in, partic- in particular against a Bears team you don't think is very good, and you're a fan of the Bears. So, as far as uh, I'm looking, still it's the Eric Bieniemy watch for me. I want him to do something to prove that he needs to be a head coach. I don't want to just put a square peg in a round hole just because of societal issues instead of your actual ability to coach a team. I, I think it, if the Redskins can consistently put up points and he he shows he, he can lead an offense without Patrick Mahomes, without Andy Reid hovering over everything he does, that's going to bode well for him. And, you know, he's going to get some interviews. And when he goes to interview, he'll have his resume. Look, this is what I did in Kansas City, but this is what I did in Washington. Yeah, and I think Washington is even better because you're taking someone from practically the ground floor up. This is a second-year player coming out of North Carolina. And if he continues to project and does well, it's going to reflect on Eric Bieniemy. You know, it, you know, it has to. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's the offensive coordinator. He's doing working with him. Maybe he even felt it in himself who do things differently than he had done in, in Kansas City because we heard stories about how players didn't like him and how he had an aggressive way of interacting with players and it just rubbed him the wrong way. Maybe he changed the way he does things there. And, um, you know, Ron Rivera, I think, mentioned that early in the preseason about him and the players and how they kind of came together oh, and yeah. moving now. But I think, you know, I just, I'm just concerned, not concerned, I'm interested in Eric Bieniemy and how the team is playing offensively in particular, even in losses, and what his influence may do with that team, with Sam Howell being a second, uh, second-year guy, and most of the success he has will probably go to the offensive coordinator rather than to himself being a second-year player. If this was happening in his fifth year, he'll get just as much credit as the offensive coordinator, or even more. So, because apparently 
no one was getting credit but Mahomes in Kansas City. <laughs> so I think Andy Reid gets a lot of credit. Uh, Andy Reed, well, he's a future Hall of Famer, so we know he's just overseeing. You know, he's trying to let a guy do his job. If you hire an offensive coordinator, you're an offensive guru like he is. You know, you just try to you hire the guy, let him do his job. You oversee the game plan and give your input. And if he takes it, he takes <clears> it. If he doesn't. He does it. But, I mean, yeah. it's, it speaks volumes to me that people go and raid his staff and Matt Nagy goes and ruins the Chicago Bears and Matt Trubisky and he comes back and he's hired to be Pat Mahomes' cheerleader. Yeah, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> rah, 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 rah. Go, Pat, go. <laughs> it speaks volumes. To, I think it's Andy Reid. It's, it wasn't Matt Nagy. You know, Andy Reid's legit. I don't think anyone questions Andy Reid. They talk about how nice a guy he is. This guy's been in a legitimate offensive mind since he's been in the league. I mean, he's learned from some of the best of all time, and he just carried it on. You know, so, yeah, I, I can live with that one there. But Eric Bieniemy, as I said, he's the one I'm looking for offensively and seeing what he does with this Washington Commanders wow. offense and with Sam Howell and the rest of the offense and his search for a head coaching job when he ends. <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't wish anything, no ill will towards him, but he's a Colorado guy, so. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I haven't seen him on the sidelines yet. He'll be there when they fire him. <laughs> no, he's not getting fired. I don't think he's getting fired for Washington. I think he'll be there as long as they want him to be there if he doesn't get a job as a head coach. But Antonio Brown now, back in the news. This time, child support. He owes $30,000 in back child support. Well, he got arrested. Yeah, that's, that's my feeling exactly right there. <laughs> <laughs> nice soundbite. I mean, I mean, that's thirty thousand dollars in child support. One of his children. You would think he that's not even support. that's not even too much for him, man. You know what? It might be. I don't know what he's been doing. And the check, point. dude. And his mom and, and the mother of the child says he's missed some child support. I want him arrested. She said that. Now, on the other side of that. Oh, how's she going to get her child support if he's in prison? Well, she figures that, I guess she figures there's some money somewhere that he can cut a check and just get caught up in a, you know from the arrears. But I'm thinking about it from this standpoint. Okay, it's 30000 They're going by the percentage of money he was making, which he's not making now. And um, thirty grand to take care of a kid. I don't care how old the kid is. <laughs> thirty grand. You know the child support most likely isn't going to the child. She's doing a lot of the opulent lifestyle thing that they most of them do when they get this kind of money. Because I think a lot of times this is the plan to get these athletes and these athletes cooperate, getting these women knocked up, having kids, and now they're in the spot they're in. Antonio now, 30 grand light. Well, will be 30 grand light if he wants to get the heck out of jail. Well, he was out. He did post bond. But man, he's gonna have these issues moving forward. Just, just like send the check, awesome. dude. Just send the check. But what about? And I know we're changing sports here. Uh -huh. Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, oh, Rockets. He's on the he's list looking, too. He's looking at seven years for strangulation. Yeah, bro. He what needs to go. Wrong with this dude. And that's what I'm saying. He needs to go. Give, and they traded him. Remember, they traded him. Um, yeah. was, I think a three-way trade, but just so they can waive him. You know that you know right. how the NBA trades have to be. And he needs to be out of the NBA. I don't think he needs a chance to come back to the NBA. I'm not sipping for anything. This is the legitimate. These are women beaters. These people are dangerous, and they're looking to kill somebody. Strangulation. You're yeah, stepping away from he, that. He, not, not a beater, man. Uh, uh, 
that's like attempted murder. Attempted murder. Somebody, this man. is speculation. And there's someone out there, I'm sure, who's going to try to justify. Because there's always someone who's going to try to justify his side of the story. Your side of the story is you're a strangler. That's your side. <laughs> the other side is you strangled a I mean, woman. I mean, Andrew Tony's the Boston strangler, man, but he's the Houston strangler. <laughs> he's the hell? Houston strangler. Man, wait. Won't be Houston long so like, until he gets waived. But man, this is yeah. happening so often. And with social media being what it is, even when the regular media was what it was and players screwed up, it was all over the place. Do you think it's going to be magnified now in the digital age we live in with social media and the regular news and society being what it is? You don't have to be woke. This is a regular common thing. This is common sense thing that you should not do. But he did it. And I hope he's out of the NBA permanently. I'm not standing on a soapbox. I think anybody in their right mind would think the same thing. Why should he I mean, get a second chance? Well, if he goes, if he goes in for seven, maybe he serves four, five, maybe I don't know. Um, that's a big chunk of years to be away from the game. Away from basketball, bro. Yeah. And you have a whole new generation coming mm-hmm. in by the time he comes out of jail. <laughs> it'll wow. come out of prison. But will he get, he'll get a shot in the G League or something? I don't know, man. But, I, you know, somebody overseas, if he can't get a spot in the G League, um, you know, I don't I don't think very highly of Adam Silver, but Adam Silver might put the word out, hey, do not sign this guy. Yeah. If that happens, then you know, he can play in Greece or the Philippines or you know, wherever, you know. But you know what? Adam Silver shouldn't even have to put the, the note out there for teams not to do it. These owners themselves and GMs, they should know not to pick a player like that. That's what they should do. We also know that it doesn't work that way. In a perfect world, you would think that people would be responsible enough to say, I don't want this guy on the team. See, John did stupid. Yeah, say, let's see what he has. Let's see if he can help us. Yeah, exactly. That's what it comes down to. Now, John did stupid things, but I don't think he did something to get kicked out of the NBA. I think he did something to get an extended suspension, but not get kicked out of the NBA. He can still learn yeah, from what he, he has done. No one got hurt. He's just he's just so let him back to like, do his thing. He's just acting like a dumbass. He hasn't hurt anybody. He hasn't hurt anybody acting like a dumbass. And for the people who decide to look up to you instead of their own parents or somebody in their own neighborhood that they actually know, you know, you're kind of influencing them too as well. So anyways, crazy with this Kevin Porter Jr. deal. This happened in September, so this wasn't even too long ago. But yeah, he's going to be dealt with by the NBA and rightfully so. So now we get to meaningful October baseball. The Texas Rangers beat the Astros last night. The Astros tried to scrap and get back into it, but they're now down 2-0, heading back to Arlington. Yeah, but uh, uh, I advise Rangers Rangers fans to tap the brakes. Houston, not only have they been there before, they're a better road team for whatever reason. Yeah, they are. You mentioned that yesterday. They're, they're under 500 at home. So looking at it, was it really a surprise they lost two games to the Rangers? <laughs> well, you look at it know. that way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but this is this would be my concern if I'm a Rangers fan. Don't let the Astros win game three. Because if they win game three, they have life. And then yeah. now everybody's believing, oh, they're a better road team. They're a better road team. Mm-hmm. Game four, they win. And now it's tied going back to Houston. But if they win game three, that's a tough hill to climb. I don't care if it's been done before uh, by Big Poppy and those guys. Um, it, it, it'd be 
really hard for them to to come back from 3-0. So if you got your your foot on their neck, press down hard until you hear a pop. But as you said also, if you have that hot pitcher going into a, a playoff, that that one pitcher in a series could be the deciding factor if they can continue to give him three starts. Zach Wheeler had his hot day. He's been hot going into this series. He could be that one guy. Now, he did give up two runs, but he's still been the hottest guy they've had coming out pitching. And if they can get him out there, you know, while he's in this stride and still blazing, you know, that might be helpful for them. But I, I'm still going to stick with the Rangers, but we know the Astros have that firepower. They have that experience. You know, Justin Verlander didn't pitch a bad game. It's just that he was outpitched by another, a better pitcher that's younger, you know, without the experience, who's getting the experience in Zach Wheeler. And now we get the chance to see what's going on. I mean, I, man, 3 I mean, Who knows? Maybe it could be the backdrop in Houston isn't to their liking or something. They don't have the trash cans banging no more. <laughs> who knows? I don't know. But for whatever reason, they've played better on the road. And that is a very potent line lineup, man. You're talking about Altuve and Alvarez and Tucker and 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 Bregman. I mean, those guys can hit the freaking ball, man. And the American League, you know how those runs come in, man. You know, the National League is looked at as a little conservative one. I mean, and it looked like the Rangers were going to run away and hide yesterday. But the Astros pitching um, settled down. They held them to five. They almost came all the way back, back. but they, they came up with a run short. And now we have the Phillies, we have the Diamondbacks, the Phillies, not surprisingly, won the Diamondbacks. Well, I mean, I'm thinking the story's over for them. I like a good story. I would like the Diamondbacks to win. I don't mind either team, but the Phillies just have too much. I think that right now they're probably the odds-on favorites to win the World Series. Depending, I don't think it even depends on whether the Astros or the Rangers win theirs. Well, I mean, we'd be talking a different story if the Angel Rangers sweep. Yeah, you know what? The Rangers are undefeated in the playoffs yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Let's it's not forget that game. part. Um, <laughs> the Battle of Texas might but, have a broom involved. Uh, to the D-backs' credit, though, the the Phillies jumped all over them, but yeah. they they hung in there. They tried to come back. It looked like the Phillies were going to run away and hide, um, but their pitching settled down. They held them to a minimum, but they just couldn't come all the way back. We'll see what happens in game two. I, I I still think this could be a long series. Oh, yeah. I, I want it to be a long series. I can't expect it. This is a scrappy, scrappy Diamondbacks team. They keep talking about the bullpen and how it's put together with tape and spit and everything else that kind of holds it together. Or some chew, I guess. And, yeah, I, I would like to see it go seven games. Yeah. I just think that the Phillies have too much for them power-wise and all that otherwise. Yeah, they, they still got to go out there ultimately to Arizona. They can't give up home runs like they did last night, though. They they got to put those guys in check. You got to check them out. And so finally, you know, moving on to just basketball once again, I saw something about LBJ breaking all of Michael Jordan's records at the same age. Why do people continue to do this kind of thing? They keep on comparing these two. Now, I think that there's greatness on LeBron is still adding to his legacy, but he's not going to likely not going to get the rings that MJ has, and everyone's making the argument about the rings. And if he ultimately does get the amount of rings, they'll look at look how many times he had a chance to get them, and he just only got this many. MJ was undefeated. When is this argument going to stop? I think if one is better than the other, when not- when LeBron fans grow the hell up, it's insecurity. That's all it is is insecurity. 
You know, they they have to. Are, are they trying to convince non-LeBron D.I.C.K. writers, or are they trying to convince themselves? I don't know. That's what my question because if you have a valid argument, you present the facts, right? But they're coming up with with stuff. Where they just grab this or they grab that, and oh, see, look, look at this right here. This little stretch from this year to this year when he was thirty six and he was thirty six. That doesn't make LeBron better because Jordan's height was up here and LeBron's wasn't. That's the bottom line. Imagine if MJ was playing in today's social media age. I mean, he'll have the following like LeBron because LeBron has a ridiculous following on every. His shoes still outsell everybody. Huh? His his shoes still outsell everybody. Yeah, exactly. He played in, in how long? I don't can't remember the last time MJ played, man. I mean, was it? 18, 20, 20 years ago? Yeah, about 20 years, man. But and yeah, the shoes no, still outsell everything. It's, it's not like they're scrum shoes. <laughs> they come out with some hell of a styles. His retros sell a lot too. You know what I mean? The yeah. old school joints. So his retros are hot too. So uh, yeah, man. So I, well, I don't know. But I'm saying if you ask most kids except DICK riders, you can only wear one pair of shoes per year, but you pick anybody's. It's almost always going to be Jordans. Yeah, no, I, I think when it comes down to shoes, period. I mean, I know they're trying to put Poopo on the set with Lamelo and other guys, but come on, man. MJ Jordans, uh, Nikes always, I believe, when it comes down to a sports shoe, a basketball shoe, that's going to be the number one shoe. That's never going to go away. I doubt it's ever going to go away, regardless of what's happening socially, where people are trying to reprimand Nike for having sweatshops and all this other stuff they've been doing for decades anyway, and the sales just keep going through the roof. But when it comes down to these two being great, I think if you're going to choose one over the other, one isn't a whole lot greater than the next. I think that's the easiest argument or the easiest solution to the argument. If one is better, they're not a whole lot better because you hear people claiming hands down better and that's just no argument. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's ridiculous, man. I think MJ has done – he's already done what he's done. I think LeBron, there's something to be said for longevity. There's something to be said for the time he had gotten into the NBA. There's something to be said for being in the NBA more than half of his life. <laughs> you know what I mean? This guy, there's something to be said for that. And MJ, you know, when it comes down to talking about a champion, that's MJ. He's never lost. You know what I mean? People haven't even gotten, I don't, teams haven't gotten to the seventh game against him, you know, in a series. You know what I mean? He just that dominant. But when you look at man for man, I'm still going to take MJ, LeBron. People are going to argue. Do we, is this going to be our Wednesday show tomorrow? You know what? Now that you're talking about it, <laughs> hey, you know what? We can probably pull this off, man. Man, you know, because it's just, uh, man, I've always been just. We we might have to get a couple of people. Um, yeah, exactly. Get exactly perspective. There's some people I know, like, you know, Chris, he knows basketball and whatnot. He, he said, I don't want to come on YouTube. I don't want to come on YouTube. I don't want to show my face. Man, to do no boxing and basketball. You don't want to come on and talk basketball. But um, yeah, we, there's somebody yeah. out there we got to bring public, on. Uh, public speaking, but it's not public. He can do it from his living room. I mean, I do it from my home office. What the you hell? Know what I'm saying there's, there's no crowd watching me. Some people just <laughs> care about how they might look on t on a set or something. I don't know. He showed enough pictures on his Facebook page. <laughs> well, people know who you are. He can he can just do this right. <laughs> yeah, you can hear me. Can you hear me? Yeah, you can hear me. Yeah, you can hear me. You can't see me. 
I mean, if he wants to do that, I mean, it's not a game I can do anymore. that. I can do that. I don't know if he can. You don't have anybody to show your fist to when he says something you don't like. <laughs> I can't show my fist in that dark space and get the same same feeling out of it. But anyways, I, I can see he's doing it though. <laughs> you know what? Hey, we could get that conversation started. That'll be something, man, because basketball season is coming. You know, both college and pro. There's a lot of pro basketball games going on right now, preseason games, and guys are getting into it. You know, you hear Giannis now talking about, man, I've never been this open in my life. Settle down, little Giannis, man. <laughs> let, let the game play. The real boys get out there and play. But you know what? Like we said earlier, in a couple of days ago, if not weeks, if the Carl Malone, John Stockton pick and roll gets going with those two, that space will be there for him. And things will kind of go the way they're looking right now. They still need that third man, which is Chris Middleton, who needs to be healthy, who's not starting the season. And we'll see how that goes. It's still Boston because I think they got pieces in place. And we're only looking forward to Porzingis showing what he can do. Yeah, I think Boston helped themselves the most. Yes. Um, Drew Holiday brings something that they didn't have before. Yep. You you can say Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, he's hard and soul that team probably, but compared to Drew Holiday, he's limited. Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday can stroke the rock, and he's 6'5 and can defend on the perimeter. Yep, he brings a, a different, different dynamic to that to that team, and if Porzingis, if he can just average 14, 15 a game, they're going to be lethal, man. With Tatum oh. and and Holiday running the show, I'm you know, he, he, he's a guy. Um, Tatum, his shot selection can be questioned at the end of games. Brown. You know, he seems to to miss big shots sometimes at the end of games. Drew Holiday. He doesn't he, miss it. No, he, he's he like, you don't know what to do with the ball? Give me the ball. Watch this. <laughs> we see him do it, man. Him and Chris Middleton <clears throat> when he was in right. Milwaukee. But, man, I think this, this Celtics team is probably more to look at than the, the, the one that's getting all the light, which are the Bucks. They're both going to eventually meet one another. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget about the eight seed from last season, the Miami Heat, in which – um, Dave is still talking about eloquently, as Mike Tyson would say. <laughs> but getting back to Boston, I think it's going to be so much easier for Holiday because Tatum's going going to draw so much attention. Brown's going to get attention. Then you got Porzingis. If they just space the floor correctly, Holiday's going to it's going to be one on one for him. Well, we're going to get a chance to talk about all of that as you talk about pick and roll with Damon and. And Giannis, yeah, that that can be. It looks thinking about it, picturing it. I don't know how people are gonna stop it. Yeah, but Absolutely. if you're guarding True Holiday one on one, and then he breaks down the defense and he kicks out to Tatum for a stand up three, <laughs> that how you get you gonna have to pick your poison. Man, this is gonna be a great year of basketball. Finally, and not only just just these teams that help themselves out in free agency. The draft picks, man. I like to see these guys go about, man. This there's gonna be a lot to watch this year in the NBA and even before Christmas, which is like the unofficial start of the NBA season. The regular yeah. NBA season, I think they're gonna get a lot of views just because of Giannis, just because of Dame being together, and now even this Boston team, you know, that Eastern Corridor is where the majority of the population of the country is. You're gonna get a lot of views. The champ is here. So what's the up, champ? champ? 
The chef so, wears, wears Halloween outfit like he had on with the boxing robe. <laughs> Running through the hallway. <laughs> I have to find that. I have to find that. Bruh. No, he's only yelling at me, man. I think he's got to go outside. That's one of those things, man. One of those things that you laughed out. I laughed out loud when I saw that, man. <laughs> this dude came out the robe with the boxing gloves. It was ill. But anyway, we'll be back tomorrow, and we'll be letting you know what we're going to talk about when we get there. So until then, until next time, He's biased. I'm Trav. Deuces. Peace.